Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, LBCF family. Um, welcome to our live stream. I saw in, in the comments that somebody is joining us for the first time today. Um, I believe it was a Sarah. It's just really cool to see that that even now that somehow um, that persistent message of going out and new people showing up in our community, it's really encouraging to me. Um, I wanted to share with you guys. My name's Ryan. Um, I'm a part of the teaching team here. I also handle the media and the graphics and marketing and things like that. Um, I'm a husband uh, of a very talented and intelligent wife named Vanessa, who you will see leading worship uh, pretty soon here. I'm a dad to two very strong and smart and life-filled girls. Um, I just want to acknowledge the reality of of kind of what we're what we are in right now because if I'm being honest when I was preparing for my message this week um, I didn't really want to look at uh, Paul I didn't want to look at Galatians I, I wasn't very interested in looking at this because of how much is happening in our world and I and I think that sometimes, it can feel just on to to start. It's 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 tough to to pay attention to focus in on these things that that don't feel like they address our immediate world. And then I remembered that God always has some life that He is breathing into us now through His Word. And so I want to um, I just acknowledge that for me, it's felt like I'm in kind of hour six of a 10 hour car ride when all of your creativity, all of your kind of pushing through and all of the fun parts of the car ride, even, I mean, even in this quarantine kind of life, the, the start of it was like, all right, we're, we're going to find ways to be creative, to work together on this. And now it just feels like, okay, when's this going to end? How are we going to push through? And it has more to do with patience and long suffering. And so I've watched parents, I'm, I'm in a book, club with a lot of men uh, from the church and just talking even with them. Um, I'm seeing a lot of really good parents being stretched to their limits. I'm seeing friends in our community who are suffering and having life-changing, life-altering medical events that have nothing to do with COVID um, pop up in the midst of this. Um, I've seen people whose work has completely dried up because of this. I see other whose work is booming more than ever because of this and the complication that that has too. There's fear and there's concern, there's doubt, there's skepticism, uh, there's loneliness, there's exhaustion. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge that all of that lives um, in, I mean, all of those things might live in in each of us. Um, and then there's also people that might be having moments of celebration and good things happening to them that they might feel guilty about the fact that life isn't as hard for them right now. And so there's a lot of co complex things that are the, that are just being felt um, in your body right now. If, if you are a student, if you are a kid right now and you're hearing me 
Um, I know that not being able to spend time with your friends or go back to school or have those kinds of things is really tough too. And, and just know that God sees you and God knows what's happening right now. And none of the pain, none of the confusion will be wasted that God is with you. Um, and so today I want to talk about two things because we do need to get into this new book that we're studying called Galatians as we continue to move through our um, year-long NT 2020 where we're going to read the New Testament throughout the entire year of 2020. Um, and we're in the book of Galatians today. And I also just want to acknowledge because as a student of the Bible, I know that God and his word has something to say to his church and his people right now. Um, there's And so as a preface, uh, there's plenty of grace for your struggle right now. And no amount of failure will diminish your chosenness or your belovedness, just as no amount of success will earn you God's grace. None of your pain will be wasted and God will still fight for you. So as a start, I want to invite uh, my lovely daughter, Lexi, and she is going to read a prayer to start us off um, by... Mother Teresa, so I'm going to let her take the seat and I'm going to sit next to her. Hi. Lead me from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead me from despair to hope, from fear to trust. Lead me from hate to love, from war to peace. Let peace fill my heart, my world, my universe. Amen. Amen. Thanks. So, that's from a book called Day to Day. It is a Notre Dame book of prayer. She did great, and you did wonderful. Um, so now, let's get to it. So, we are now in a book called Galatians. If you're new to the Bible, just know that um, some of the things that you'll read in a book called Acts are all of the ways that this new thing called the Christian church erupted um, once Jesus was crucified and then all of this, and his spirit fell on people, both people who thought that they um, had earned the spirit to fall on them and people that didn't. And then all of a sudden, this kind of lifelong promise of God being, of, of restoring all people to himself was starting to come into play, and there was a lot of complexity and a lot of um, a lot of issues with with that. And so we see all of these amazing things start to pop up um, as the church starts. And so all of this sort of new thing starting up, we see happening in Acts. And then because of a lot of the ways that a lot of problems had to be corrected, Paul, who was this really important figure in the church, was commissioned by Christ Himself. Um, would go on these tours and he would start churches up. And it wouldn't take long before people who had different ideas of, of what uh, the chosen people of God should look like would come in after him and kind of uh, say other things. And Paul needed to address that right away. So he would write these letters that would address um, that would address churches, that would address issues, that would address sort of some of the things that needed to be corrected. And one of the things that if you aren't new to the Bible and you've heard the name Paul, one of the things that I think is worth noting about Paul is that he was converted when he was 29 
years old. He didn't write the letter to the Galatians until 14 years after that. And so there's a very long period of time in Paul's life that, that is kind of skipped over. And it's in that in-between time that I believe that God uses um, that time to prepare us, to prepare us to do his work. And so um, there's, I just want to note that Paul didn't just erupt out and start saying the first thing on his mind. He was also prepared himself. Um, I'm going to be posting a Bible project video to our Facebook and website today that sort of that that covers a lot of the summary of Galatians because I think that they do that so well there and they do it in such a better way than I could. So I want to make sure that we have that as well. Um, and the issue that Paul is tackling here in chapters one through three in this letter to these churches, um, he's tackling it in kind of a harsh way, but it's against this different gospel that we see him talking about in chapter one, verses six and seven. This different gospel was from Jewish Christians who were basically saying that to become a part of God's people, you had to first convert and become Jewish. And Paul takes pretty serious issue with this for three reasons. Anything we add to the free gift of grace ends up being a way that we add it, that, that we can judge those that we add it to. So if we tell somebody, you need to do this before you can come to Christ and receive this free gift, the person who's adding it usually is hanging on to that as a means to judge other people whether or not they deserve it. Reason number two is that it tempts people to believe that their righteousness has anything to do with with it, it has something to do with anything but Jesus. Jesus as the sole means for our righteousness is something that Paul takes very seriously. And reason three, and I think this is actually Paul's big point, it's backward movement. It reverts us away from the ability to of, of true baptism and a life in Christ when we're moving backwards. So, I think that Paul actually states something, and he's kind of calling on a on a very ancient, um, well-embedded understanding in people who have heard Scripture their whole lives. And I think he is addressing people that understand Scripture really well. Um, this idea of moving backward, of backward movement, even though they were just saved, really rings and really has an echo of something that these people have heard a lot about. And that story is the Exodus. Paul here is highlighting that there's a new Exodus that has occurred. And if you've been a part of LBCF, we actually did an entire series about the new Exodus. That Jesus coming and rescuing us from the old world and inviting us into a new world, into new life. That that new Exodus has occurred. And this Exodus brought by the death of Jesus is an entire cosmic shift in which all those who put their faith in Jesus are caught up. So this cosmic shift is something that we are constantly being asked, how are we playing into this cosmic shift? How are we finding ourselves in this new life that already exists? It's not something that we, that we bring about. It's something that we participate in and that we can actually make more of a reality that we can invite more of, that we are actually agents of this kingdom 
coming to earth as it is in heaven. And that that cosmic shift is now that you are invited to this party when you say yes to Jesus. And there are a lot of people, and for a lot of reasons that I will get into that I suspect, wanted to go back. In the same way that when people were rescued from Egypt, wanted to go back to the slavery of Egypt. There is a familiarity. There is a, um, there's a well-understood way of being, um, even in something like the slavery of Egypt, when you're caught up in the world's ways. So I want to reread uh, chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. So Andrew, is it possible to get that slide back up really quick? I'm sorry, I'm throwing a curveball. Um, and while he's getting it back up, look at that, he's so fast. Just so you guys know, we are on, and you could probably tell, we're on a new streaming service. So if things are different today or if things seem, um, if there are any technical issues or if you're noticing anything, just know that that we have found a very good platform that we want to um, really iron out. So thank you for your grace and your patience. Um, we are in Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. I want to re-read this for everybody. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you all belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So, it sounds here like Paul is pretty clearly telling people, this has happened. This is already the reality. And any kind of life outside of that is false. Living in any kind of life outside of that is just living in some kind of false reality. And I want to tell you guys a little story. It's not the most flattering story about me, but I um, I was in a touring choir throughout most of college, and I was not very good. Um, I I so I I want to tell you guys a story about um, singing off key because that's something I know a lot about. So so there's um, the hardest. It is the hardest to get back on key when all the people around you are as confused or as bad at reading the music as you are, or as I was. <laughs> so um, me being next to somebody else who also struggled to sight read the music um, was not a good mix. So the choir director would surround people that weren't as strong as singers, would surround people that um, maybe were new or just weren't as, uh, yeah, as talented or whatever you want to put it. He would surround those with people who were strong. He would surround those with people who knew how to stay on key. So I was usually I would usually have a really strong baritone on my right and on my left and behind me. And I knew that that was strategic because when you're surrounded by people who are strong and who know how to do it, my confidence would all of a sudden improve because them singing the right notes to me would help me understand. It would help me learn just by proxy how to do it right. And I would improve, and I would also feel more confident, so I would sing louder, which would usually improve the way that I would sing. And so the choir director knew that you put people who are struggling around people who are doing well. 
And I think that what ends up happening is that Paul is saying here that there are people who are trying to convince you to sing in the key of the movement that had just ended. That there are people who are singing really loud, but they're singing in the wrong key. And so he's trying to let everybody know the music is over here now. And what we have to do is try to get as many people to be strong in understanding what that new key is and know that there's going to be struggles, that there will be people who are, who are constantly battling against their own inability to sing in this new key and place them around people who are strong. And so Paul is trying to say here, there's a new key that the music of all of creation is being written in. And so this week, I, I read something as I was studying this, and it said, when religious people are unchanged by God's mercy, they, are, they often become harsh and judgmental, adhering to a letter of the law, code of moral and ethical standards. Their ability to perform religious rites and duties becomes a substitute for an authentic and personal knowledge of God. And so I think that there's something there that as as we're learning to sing this new key, that that if 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 we're stubborn, if we're not able to be changed, if we're not able to be transformed, maybe our ability to play church, our ability to say the right words, our ability to um, yeah to perform these kind of church rituals, to talk a lot about the Bible. I want to seminary i know that i can talk a lot about the bible and sometimes i can talk so well about it that i can convince people that i'm being transformed when i know my own heart isn't being able to talk about god is no substitution for being transformed by him so we might have allegiances that we hold so dear that we live divided maybe it's the perfect time for the hurting world who, by the way, is looking for slivers of hope everywhere to see the church as the place where we can be united as one without having to be uniform in everything. Um, our culture is becoming ever more brutal at how quickly we other people, and I just long for the church not to do that. So I think here is the, the trick, and it's sort of weird, and especially if you're a youth listening to this, um, just know that, that this is a hard thing to hold, whether you're an adult or a kid or whatever, but God's people and Jesus constantly refer to us as dust, who is here one day, gone the next. If we really believed that, because I think that our, our culture is constantly trying to sell us this immortality, and I think that there is something to the fact that we hold our lives loosely because all of a sudden we can follow that kind of anxious free life that Jesus talks about in Matthew and we can live in this new cosmically shifted reality and we start to understand a little more of how Paul describes it that it's no longer I that live but Christ lives in me I have a short life it is here today gone tomorrow let Christ live through you and it's this and as John 12 puts it Whoever loves his life will lose it. So I want to ask you, what has tempted you this last week, these last three months, whether it's been in quarantine, whether you believe the things that we, that either side of the argument on politics or media is putting it and the, all of the noise that's out there, what has tempted you out of the necessary daily water of baptism?
What's tempted you out of that? What's tempted you to step out of that daily baptism in which we say we are laying down our lives for a life in Christ, one that is one that is united around that, that idea that we are all recipients of grace and we all need it and none of us earn it. No matter what your traditions are, no matter how much you've done in the past, that we all are leveled at the foot of the cross. Every day we die to ourselves. We step into that water of baptism every day. We are on the journey away from death and slavery of Egypt. God has promised manna enough for that day. So I would encourage you to ask yourself, what is it inside you that tempts you away from that water of baptism? I want to close today with a prayer of St. Teresa of Avila and then I will transition um, and we'll talk a little bit about Passover and communion. This is a prayer called For Peace of Allness. Let nothing disturb thee. Let nothing frighten thee. Everything is changing. God alone is changeless. Patience attains the goal. One who has God lacks nothing. God alone fills our needs. And so the same way that God's people remember their rescue and new covenant through Passover, we remember God's all-embracing work on the cross, his all-grace handing over his spirit being poured out through his work on the cross and resurrection. We remember that through communion. This is the way that we remember our death to ourselves is an invitation into life in Christ. So uh, us in Christ and the communion is Christ in us, that we are so one that we are we are in him and he is in us. And we remember that through communion. And so today, if you have your communion elements, I would encourage you to get those out. I'm going to send it over to Barb. And would we be the church that is so committed to this reality that is already present, that we could take this communion as a reminder that this is the new life that we are already living in. So thank you all. I love you all. I can't wait to see you again. And now I'm gonna pass it over to Barb for communion. We hope this teaching has encouraged and challenged you. We always have more resources available at our website, lbcf.org. And wherever you are and wherever you're listening, we pray you be filled with grace to learn to live in love like Jesus.